0: We'd like to uh, welcome the Honourable Minister of uh, Finance, Government
1: of Tamil Nadu. Thank you very much, sir, for taking out the time. Can I please invite uh, Mr. Raj Chengappa,
0: Editorial Director of Publishing on stage, to please welcome the Minister and introduce the topic of the keynote address. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like you to give another warm round of applause, <laughs> because, because we have a truly outstanding personality, Dr. Palliniweil Thyagarajan, my pronunciation might be a little bad, but Pallinivel. Let's get, let's get that right, Minister for Finance and Human Resources. He's not your run-of-the-mill politician, though his, both his father and grandfather were distinguished politicians, one of them being the Chief Minister of the erstwhile Madras Presidency, his grandfather. But I think what makes him distinct is there a brutal frankness about (laughs) Dr. Thyagarajan, And uh, more than that, uh, he has got such a versatile uh, experience. He just doesn't come as a politician, though he comes from Madurai, his constituency. And he actually came specially for us here. He had gone for the mayoral elections, where the DMK has won an astounding victory, and uh, then flew back just for us. So for that, let's give him a warm round of applause as well. And Madurai, as I was telling him, is my favorite place because uh, the the temple, Binakshi Sundareshwar temple, I used to visit it very often. And uh, when I went up for my honeymoon as well to Kodekanal, I stopped there and we took prayers (laughs) there as well. So it's my favorite place there. (laughs) <laughs> I will certainly come again. Uh, and, but his versatility is outstanding. He, you, he, you know, he has a rich experience as a trader. He was with Lehman Brothers before, I think, the collapse. <laughs> Up till that point. Okay, a banker, a consultant, a lecturer and a technical person. And very, very importantly, he is both rooted. He did his uh, engineering from Trichy and then went abroad to New York State University and then studied uh, management in one of the most prestigious uh, universities, that's uh, the MIT, uh, in the Sloan School of Management, and then came back, and that's the most important thing. After working 20 years, he decided to come right back to Tamil Nadu and serve the state, and he's been made the finance minister, probably one of the most competent people to head this business. So, so I'm going to get straight to the question and answer sh- session, and uh, let's talk about this mission that you, uh, your chief minister has been put to put for you, which is to make Tamil Nadu a one trillion dollar economy. And given the fact that you are one third of that, how, and given the fact also that you brought out a finance paper where you showed your state was broke, how do you hope to do this? What are the kind of challenges that you face to ensure this happens?
1: Well, first of all, thank you for the invitation. Thanks for adjusting the time uh, so I could rush back. I think it's good to have sometimes these goals because uh, they hold you accountable. Now, for those who have studied any finance or the time value of money or the benefit of compounding, to get from here to a trillion in, in three years, what we effectively need to do is get about a 14, 14.5% nominal growth rate. That includes inflation. Uh, if we assume the effects rate is roughly the same. Uh, if it improves then you you know get better, if it slides it gets a little worse. To put that in context, uh, right now inflation is about six and a half, six and a quarter depending on whose account you take. So if I take that out that means I need to get about seven and a half, eight percent growth, which is not that hard to do. Uh, also to put it in context, between 2006 and 11 when the DMK was in power, we had a, a compound annual growth rate for those five years of north of 10 percent. Hmm in real terms without inflation add in inflation you're probably at 15 16. so 14 percent 14 and a half percent a year between now and 10 years is certainly doable the key is to get the first few years right if you remember our predecessor the lady had a vision 2023 document by the time we came to office in 2016 as opposition, as it was already unachievable because you'd lost the first three years in flat to two percent growth Then you'd need to get 22 23 percent in the remaining years to make it up so for us the good news is that the first two three years are going to be very good years we have despite uh, the pandemic no no because of the pandemic because of the low base effect of already having had effective recession and the bounce back from that because of uh, the the kind of um, move away from china trends and the uh, possibilities that that brings and because, as you and I were speaking, after ten years of maladministration, we are able to get the finances of the state and the system's under control. Right. So these three will be positives. Of course, you know we are subject to the same macroeconomic factors as everybody else. Mm-hmm. And at the national level, I would say some of the programmes of the union government, both policy-wise and kind of removing, you know, removing rights and control from the states, is a barrier for us. Okay beyond that the global commodity cycle seems to be on the way up inflation and commodity prices and then of course things like what happened in ukraine uh, have serious consequences so we haven't seen you know all those stages play out so there are going to be headwinds but at a very kind of local level we feel very comfortable i've just finished uh, drafting the budget to take to cabinet tomorrow Hmm. and uh, 14 14 and a half percent is what we achieve we achieved better than that last year Okay. And we'll achieve that this year. I mean, last year meaning the year finishing in a month. So we're on track. Now, I mean,
0: since you mentioned the budget, can you give us a sneak peek as to what are the, not the budget figures, but what are the thrust of the
1: budget? <laughs> no, as I often say, the budget is a prospective document. It only gives an intent. It doesn't tell you whether it's going to be fulfilled. And if you take the last six, eight years of the, of the TN government, budget uh, the outcomes have been 30 40 percent variance from the budget so the budget's almost like a wish list it's not an execution document so one of the first things I did when I came to this role is set a policy in my department Mm -hmm. that we must make budgets that are conservative in terms of we must make at least this much revenue and we must never spend more than this much money unless pandemic and all that out of our control so we must make estimates that are Uh, we are comfortable, we can achieve or beat. And then when we do the revised estimate, which is really the key, because now you have 10 or 11 months worth of data, we must hew as closely as possible to the budget. We must do what we said we were going to do. Mm -hmm. And then by the time the final account comes six months from now, it shouldn't be more than two or 3% different from the revised estimate, which means that your accounting has not been funny money accounting.
0: And what would be the key thrust areas of this, where you've sort of said, okay... In this budget, I think I need to look at one or two, three, four areas that is there.
1: Well, I think uh, those areas the Chief Minister will talk about. But going back to my philosophy, since we came to office when there was already a financial year in progress and all we did was amend that budget in in August, I wanted to make sure that we outperformed that amendment in the revised estimate and that the, the exchequer was in much better shape than it was when we inherited it. So I think that I'm very confident we'll show a remarkable turnaround in a very limited time. And that will set the stage for much more aggressive kind of uh, investment in capital expenditures in programs and so forth going forward. The budget is, the the cabinet meetings tomorrow, the chief minister will tell us where we go.
0: And and in the white paper you presented uh, last year was a very grim picture. And part of that problem was that you said a lot of the debt you're servicing debt you're taking interest and therefore the revenue uh, is being met through debt and uh, interest rates whereas you're not able to focus on capital expenditure for uh, this thing how are
1: you planning to turn that around there's a reason the textbooks say something those are proven concepts right so when i came to office as an opposition MLA in 2016 in my first speech in the assembly in my maiden speech which I had to make in English. I didn't have the skill in Tamil <laughs> at the time. Now I can speak, but <laughs> well, <okay>. I said- <laughs> They're uh, <clapping> for you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, I said, the textbook said two or three things very clearly. It says, if you spend money on capital projects, which will give you return today, then you'll get growth tomorrow. If you spend it on revenue deficits, you are not going to get anything back. Right. And how much of your revenue is spent on interest payments is an indication of how well your system is in control. And so the RBI in its annual state of state finances report had said the same thing, what the textbook said, the RBI said and said, Tamil Nadu used to be a state where you didn't have revenue deficits for 10, 12 years. I mean, from the FRBM act and equivalent till 2014, till the lady was in control before she got incarcerated and the the system kind of slipped. And uh, we used to have, you know, interest payments be 10, 11, 12% of our revenue. Mm. By the time we took office, the you know um, borrowing was more than half for revenue deficits we were not even investing 50 paisa of every rupee we borrowed and the interest payments were north of 20 paisa of every rupee of revenue so what and i saw i said in 16 if you go down this path you will get this outcome and so we got the outcome that uh, the management gave us now we are correcting those and our goal is to i mean there's only one long-term solution to everything mm-hmm that is growth and jobs right now you have to set yourself up in such a way that you attract the kind of investment and you bring the kind of credibility that both financial investors like funds and you know um, uh, asset managers and industrial companies feel comfortable that they can come here and and create jobs and, and whether that's overseas indian you know other state tamil wherever and of course from a jobs perspective msme is very important biggest driver of growth so you've got to make uh, life easy for them, ease of doing business, remove a lot of the rent seeking and a lot of the barriers, uh, cut the red tape. So, you know, these are, that's the only long-term solution. Everything else is financial management that we can do better than others or process improvement that, you know, with my professional background, I can bring. Those are means to an end. So right. I, in, in, I'll go the other way. We wanted to show the stability and credibility of good management this year so that we can attract the right investors and the right partners next year. And I think we're on path for that. You know, in the
0: previous session, we had uh, some startup companies come and talk to us, those that chose Tamil Nadu and Chennai to come and do it. Now, one of the things they said is, fine, the policy is good, right, whatever that is there. The outreach isn't, right? And they feel that uh, a lot of this, you know, uh, someone said you should treat startup uh, guys like customers, not like industrialists in that sense. What, and given the fact that you're trying to develop fintech, which is again, what would you say needs to be done? I mean, here you're getting feedback coming in.
1: <laughs> okay, I can answer that at, I don't know, half a dozen different levels. Let's start profoundly. Most government uh, departments and staff are not in the business of providing customer service, at least in their perspective, right? They think they're administering something right so that's you know the the attitude itself is somewhat off then you look at whether we have the systems and the infrastructure and the communications capability and i would say that most governments don't do half as good a job as political parties Mm -hmm. whose lifeblood is communication and uh, you know electioneering then you take it to the next level and say startups in particular i'm not i mean i would say among the departments in Tamil Nadu, the industries department is probably more professionally run and has better uh, functions like the guidance bureau and stuff like that. We have now started two or three different initiatives on the startup side, the Tamil Nadu seed investment right. uh, management, uh, fund management and so forth. So um, I have actually, just yesterday, for example, I had the finance secretary, industry secretary in my room for some other file discussion. And this is something I've been saying for a long time. Is that we should set up a portal and get all the startups, Tamil Nadu first, but anybody really, to come and pitch for the kinds of services and technologies that the government can buy and be the, the first user, the early adopter. We need help in a lot of things, in mining, in surveying, in you know, food processing. We, you know, we run all this. Uh, we are the only state with the universal PDS, public distribution system. No other state gives every person a card. You use it, don't use it, you get different levels of benefit. Those are all different. Mm -hmm. But we issue every family, whoever asks, without asking what's your income, we issue a card. That has some downsides later, but that's the difference. So we need a lot of help, and there are a lot of people who have the technology. So I've been encouraging for a couple of months now that we should have one of these sell to Tamil Nadu day, Mm. where we bring these startups, and we ourselves pick the ones that can work, Mm -hmm. put them in, Maybe go in as investors as well into the company, but certainly give them revenue because we're a large state with a big economy. And, you know, the budget will be, I don't know, last year's budget was 35, 40 billion Mm dollars. That's a lot of purchasing power, right, if you take out the the fixed expenses and all that. So I think there's a lot more we can do. Uh, I think the Chief Minister has got us all focused on the right things, which is to create jobs and get growth. So, yeah, I'm not saying we're great. I think... But there's more profound problems. It's not only about startup. The nature right. of government services is not geared towards the notion of customer kind right. of satisfaction. That's my view. Maybe I'm wrong.
0: Well, you know, since you touched about the uh, public distribution system and the need to streamline that, one of the big things Tamil Nadu has has always believed in is being a welfare state, even as it stri- tries to be an industrial state. On this, now, as finance minister, you are the one that's paying the being the prize, right, for all the welfare schemes. There are two questions, two parts to this. One is, how do you balance the books and make sure that, uh, you know, you are allocating enough for that, where critical sector, social sector, plus for the needy during a pandemic, and, uh, you know, also create capital for growth. And the second point is, a lot of these schemes these days are controlled by the central government. You know they they have these various schemes for uh, farmers for everything else how does that gel with your own state program are you being funded by them or is this is a kind of a, a mask that they put
1: <laughs> i'll take the easy question first uh, the second one in the sense that the union government has this tendency to start all kinds of programs the first year they'll fund 80 percent state will do 20 the next year they'll say it's 50 50 the third year they'll still call it the union government name and they'll go down to twenty percent and we'll be eighty. The fourth year. You want say, to name you do,
0: name the union government uh, name? Yeah. <laughs> you,
1: they say you do hundred percent, but we'll still call it a union government program. So right. not only is it this notion of one size fits all is profoundly antithetical to actual outcomes. Right. I mean, just, just take simple thing, simplest thing, because I don't want to waste time on this or sure. make it political. One nation, one ration card. Hmm. Right. In tamil nadu we already have one state seven types of ration cards what does that mean if this ration card goes to up will they know what the distinction is between the white card the pink card the brown card and all that right let's say somebody from up comes here my ration shops are not normally stocking wheat and atta and all that they're only stocking rice and um, you know kerosene and sugar and whatever how do we supply what that ration card entitles that person to the complexity of actual execution administration you know, is crying out for localization and customization. So this notion of one and everything is just not actually efficient. It's not productive. It won't give you results. You tell me where there's examples and it's done differently, and then maybe we have a discussion. But that's the easy part. That's, this notion that somehow welfare states cannot be capitalist or, you know, industrial states is fundamentally flawed. Hmm. You look around the world. Let's take Sweden scandinavia those countries like scandinavia where they have phenomenal social welfare benefits free education free maternity leave free paternity leave free care, you know practically everything free have one of the highest gdps highest per capita growth rates and have best quality of life you take i lived for 20 years in the us you take new york and california considered liberal states where there's a lot of benefits have high populations, high growth, high revenue, high outcomes. You take Minnesota, another state that has a lot of benefits. So, if you look around the world, you find that those societies that are compassionate, those that try to reduce the the uh, you know the discrimination economically, what the Gini coefficient, those that try to be inclusive, those that try to uplift the bottom of the pyramid's quality of life, those tend up end up having the best growth rates and the best economies if you take india that's very clearly true tamil nadu is by fair by far of the four large rich states in tamil nadu tamil nadu is by far the most social welfare driven we spend more than anybody right on all these things and we have one of the best outcomes in human development indicators and social development indicators in gross enrollment ratio in high school or college So these go together, the more compassionate, the more caring, the more you keep the bottom protected, the more just and equitable your society, the more harmonious, the more productivity and the greater growth you'll have. There's no contradiction at all. Our job is to make sure that the leakages don't happen. And so what are you doing about that? I mean… Yeah, so so this year I would say we fixed the plumbing, we fixed the infrastructure, we fixed the platform, As I say, I'm very comfortable that we'll show outstanding results in that part of it. By far, the most important point is to fix the revenue problem. Hmm. Right now, we have a serious revenue problem. At one point, let's say six, eight years ago, and going back five years before that, the state used to earn about 10% of its GSDP as its revenue. And another three, three and a half used to come from the union, from our share of taxes and all that. That 10% has dropped to 7% before the pandemic and 6% now. So, if I say my GSDP is now about, let's say, the latest CSO estimate for the current year is 21.8 lakhs or 21.9 lakhs, what's 3, 3.5% three of that? 65, 70,000 crores. So, we are missing 70,000 crores in revenue that we used to capture through some mechanism. Maybe the GST Council says the net neutral rate used to be 15, now it's 11, I don't know. Maybe it's uh, you know, alcohol sales being done without revenue, maybe it's mining losses, maybe it's fraud in commercial tax. I, there's many, many components to this. But we have a profound revenue problem. It's, it's a bit common to India throughout, but Tamil Nadu has an extreme case of it because of extreme maladministration over the last seven, eight years. This was not true when the lady was alive. Hmm. Till 2014, we were still okay. It's only when she went away and then she, you know, got bad health and died and all that, that the slide started. So the immediate focus for this year is to bring the revenue as a percentage of GSDP back up right. without being unfair and taxing the poorest, weakest people.
0: Now, there are some holy cows and you mentioned it in your uh, review that is there. There's transport, right? You're losing, you're losing in power. Are you going to bell the cat? I mean, are you or just going to push it down the, no. kick the can down the road and say the next government let it do no, something? No, we have no choice. I don't think,
1: I don't think these things can last till the next government we have to start fixing them and I'm very comfortable uh, that at least on the electricity side um, the Union government now forces us to 100% cover the loss mm-hmm. in addition to the subsidies we pay last year's 100% loss has to be met out of this year's budget so that brings a discipline uh, In in you know and different problems have different uh, root causes in the transport it's probably Overstaffing and and poor equipment in eb it's probably line losses and uh, rates in, in many rates have not changed in 20 25 years 15 years you know this, uh, something needs to change the chief minister will direct us we'll fix that yeah. i see you have sort of ducked that <laughs> no, no no it has to change no there's no question we, I mean, we uh, no no let me put it a different way i'm not ducking anything at least on the electricity side within two years we will show fundamental improvement Okay. On and the transport side is a little bit more complex, but already innovation is coming. For example, in the Chennai city, uh, Greater Chennai Partnership Scheme or something that we have signed with the World Bank, ADB and AIIB, it calls for uh, wet-leased buses, wet-leased electric buses in some KFW program and generally wet-leased buses. What does that mean? That means you're no longer operating the buses. Hmm. You're just leasing it, including right. the driver, including the fuel or the EV or everything that greatly reduces your losses. It's only when you try to do all of it yourself that right. you end up with this. So change is coming, it will come in What about stages.
0: the slogan that we keep saying, the government shouldn't be in the business of business, whether it's transport, whether it's this, why, how much private industry would you like to get into this? I'm just being a little... St-
1: st- no, no, you know. no, I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a fundamental question, right? Going back, I mean, I, I would say what distinguishes us as a party and me as an individual is that everything I do I link back to the philosophy and why we came into politics, right? This con- concept of social justice, uh, self-respect, equality, inclusion, etc. So from that perspective, uh, the kind of uh, changes that we need to make mm-hmm. are not uh, complicated, they're, they're very much fit in our... Uh, 1930 or 1920 philosophy, something should only be done by the state, providing free education and water and, you know, uh, sewage pipeline and uh, toilets should be done by the state. Something should be done by the cooperative sector. Justice Party started the cooperative movement in a big way, uh, you know, for house loans, for farm loans, for... um food distribution cooperatives and something should be done by private industry there's just no way that the government can bring that skill in fact i'll go one step further there are many places now that uh, i'm just going to take charge as the chairman of the tamil Nadu infrastructure fund management company and we are going to seek partners who bring technical expertise and Mm. things that we just don't know how to do so it's not just about money anymore it's also people who have what we were talking about the industrial discipline of execution Right. That the government just doesn't have. But we have to be selective. We have to know if it is a revenue producing thing like a bus stand or a port or an airport, why should I first build it, then run it at a loss and then put it on a mass asset monetization pipeline and then monetize it? Why don't I start at PPP right now? Right. Why don't I start it BOT right now? So... I think there are things, we we are very clear about what things should be done by us, what things should be left in cooperative and everything else should be done by private players. Sometimes you need both, right? Like what, what, why does it help to have a government come private project? Because the government can make sure that no rent seeking and no barriers and none of this artificial, you know, red tape comes into the way because I'm a partner myself. And they bring the technology, the capital, the execution skills that the government simply does not have. And if if they are if listed companies and large companies, they have to keep an accounting standard and a kind of um, you know transparency of their work that governments right. you know tend not to, to put it mildly. Yeah, so. <laughs> now, and I mean,
0: this calls for, as you said in your white paper. Uh, a generational reform, that was the word you used. So what is that generational reform you have so far brought since you've made that statement, and which areas you're looking at?
1: See, uh, change comes in bits and pieces. It's hard for you to tell which part of change had what impact till you see two years, three years later. So, for example, I've said that we are going to show phenomenally better financial management. That didn't come because one day I used my pen, right? Right. That's because processing 3,000 files and with the independence the Chief Minister has given me, I've applied what I learned for 20, 30 years in the markets and in administration of large organizations, and I get to do it. But sometimes we legislate change. For example, we have now said that all recruitment to public sector enterprises must happen through the same channel, the Tamil Nadu Public Service Commission that's going to create second order problems we're going to have a logjam that will right. force us to uh, review and restructure the recruitment model so change can come I think in bits and pieces it it usually takes I mean for a system as big as a government of 75 80 million people and a 300 billion economy it's hard to point one act on one day and say this changed the world which, I would say six months, One, it's right. about, about finances, about the way we fund capital and projects, about how we recruit and run the administration, mm-hmm. about the checks and balances, for example, we are changing the whole audit mechanism. Nobody can self-audit them. Right, right now, you can, you know, for example, uh, my friend uh, Dr. Chandramon is here. He is the secretary for culture, which among other things, has the HRNC, the temples. Till recently, the HRNC ran its own audit on itself. So we have now broken it away and brought it with the rest of all the audit functions into uh, the financial audit. And is we he happy about it or
0: not? <laughs> I, I mean, he is a professional, so I am sure
1: he's you know. So uh, we have a committee now of former uh, CAG, I mean PAG I think he was in Tamil Nadu, looking at how to integrate audit across all of the government, arm's length internal audit away from the department within finance so that we don't wait for the CAG to come and tell us what all went wrong. I was a member of the Public Accounts Committee for five years. I can tell you the horror stories. I mean, it's a public document. You can go read it. So, we, you know, uh, let me go even maybe just one step deeper than that. Compared to any reasonable sized private enterprise, mm-hmm. the design of government administration is, you know, 20, 30 years lag. We don't have continuity. We don't have institutional memory. We don't have inventory management. We don't have, uh, you know, reconciliation. It, this, it, I, I'm, I'm amazed how a system works without what we take for granted in MBA school or in any medium-sized enterprise. I mean, you go to a, the, the corner shop that sells you biscuits and, uh, you know, uh, cool drinks. Hmm. Unilever or somebody has put a point, of sale terminal there. To help the shopkeeper manage the shop and to help them get the inventory uh, movement so they can a see how their products are moving and b when to track it and uh, restock we don't have stuff like that so there's some uh, uh, engineering that needs to happen
0: but you are on that path where you're saying the generation reforms you're going to make
1: sure that it happens yeah i, I would say starting with the finances this year because that was the first the, it starts the two most important things the money and the people in fact the people may be more important than the money but it's harder to change the culture harder to change the recruiting harder to change the training but we have focused a lot for example chief secretary is a former chairman of the ana institute of management at his request i have taken over as the chairman of the entire we've renamed it as the staff training college and we have introduced a new compulsory training program hmm. for all of the mid-level Tamil uh, Nadu public servants and he and i inaugurated it together and now several thousand people have already gone through that program uh, in the last i don't know five months or six months since we inaugurated it so the people and the money and the infrastructure in terms of systems it you fix that and you know we'll be in some completely different place five years i'm convinced of that in five years We'll be having a conversation. How did you do so much in so little time? Well, I hope for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but let's come to another topic, which uh, since we are in a
0: federal country and you have to deal with uh, the center allocating certain resources, I think your white paper also pointed out that there's a declining contribution coming from the center. Now, how unequal is this relationship getting? Are you, you know, uh, what,
1: what, what needs to be done? See, uh... Philosophically, just like I said, we tie our actions to our underlying, you know, political raison d'etre. So if I say, I believe in self-respect, I believe nobody else should tell me who is upper caste, lower caste, nobody should tell me in any hierarchy, all human beings are. If I start with the notion of self-respect, it doesn't take long for me to go from there to, you know, independence of thought, Mm -hmm. to self-determination how does self determination come through self governance how do you get self governance through devolution of power and money down to the lowest level of government in many cases the panchayat the town the city then to the state then so at a, at a, you know at the existential level i am against this notion of authoritarian centralizing but leave that aside for a second let's assume that's irrelevant Let's talk of the current at execution, government. No, at the execution level, it is crazy to sit in Delhi and start designing one type of program for the entire country. Right? I mean, just, just, just I'll give you two examples. Swachh Bharat. They say we build toilets. No problem. They say we'll go directly to the local body, fund them, and they'll build the toilets. Okay. CAG report shows many flaws. No problem. But the biggest problem they have is once you build the toilet, who supplies water to the mm. toilet? Not the union government, right? The panchayat or the corporation. What if there's no water? You have just wasted building all these toilets with no water supply. You can't manage the water supply of every panchayat from Delhi. Right. Right. Let's take the Krishi Kalyan again. CAG report. They allocate funds for things like whitewashing and purchase of furniture and this and that. In places like Bihar, the Krishi Kalyan uptake is really, really low, hmm. because where they allocate funds for whitewashing, they don't have a wall. They only have a thatched school how do you fund it so the, the the decision should be made by the local people based on what it is there are like 100 examples give it us
0: Tamil Nadu examples of how this money coming from the center really doesn't uh, help no, no, I'll
1: out. give you three examples number one the proportion of money coming from the center keeps on declining every year because of Finance Commission after Finance Commission number two how much of the money comes as share of taxes as opposed to grants and schemes keeps dramatically changing. So Adversely they give, to you. Yeah, but they give us very little untied money and they tell us how we got to spend the money. We leave that aside. When the money comes, the kind of paperwork that you have to show that you have, you know, spent it is sometimes feasible, sometimes not. And that's in a state like Tamil Nadu that is relatively advanced, has 75% internet penetration, etc. I was in um, my constituency recently. And I called on an elderly gentleman, happened to be a Brahmin gentleman, an old family friend who I had not known, but I met him when I was out campaigning one day and we hit it off and he told me some old family stories and all that. I went and unfortunately he was a great fan, a great friend, but he passed away like five days in between the election results and when I went back. So I went to call on him. And a house that was otherwise empty because the children lived overseas and all that, there were 20, 30 people of the... The saffron support type, let's mm. just say. Leave it at that. I had no problem. they there my constituents. Uh, I, the man was very affectionate to me. I went. And they said, you know, the, 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 the lady, the, the widow, her uh, fingerprint is not being scanned by the um, PDS. So can you fix it? I said, no problem. I called my ward secretary. I said, you know, please go and get her a nominee and we'll get it done. Ten minutes later they said, no, no, it's not about her, it's about the system. I said, it's okay, let me take care of you first. You know, I've come for an inquiry about a condolence. I'm not here right. to talk systems And Five minutes later they said, no, no, but it's not about us. it's about the system. And I lost it. I said, system, who brought the system? Did we bring the system? I argued in the, in the assembly, don't do this. I mean, if I'm worried about diamond smuggling, I want 15 different checks on them. If we're going to give them food so they don't starve, I don't care if the fingerprint doesn't match, give them the food. Mm. Right? How many cases we see in Chhattisgarh and Rajasthan and all that, yeah. place, they don't match. Right? So, why do, So, we argued, we argued, I spoke to then Minister Kamraj, I said, please don't implement this, please don't force this, it is ridiculous. I mean, again, the theft that happens from the trucks and you know, falling off bags of rice and all is horrendous. We don't stop that. Then we come and say, no, no, lady, you cannot get uh, ten kilos of rice because your fingerprint does… It's ridiculous. So I… When I said, who brought the system, madam? You say, the system, the system. I can fix your case. You want to fix the system? Go and tell the man on the top. He is the one who forced all this homogeneity, on us and said everybody has to put a card, everybody has to put a fingerprint.
0: And when you say uh, that, you are talking to the central government? I mean, you know who. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I see you. <laughs> Okay, just I think we just two quick questions that are there. One, of course, is looking at the per capita decline of Tamil Nadu. Here you have the second largest industrial. Uh,
1: what do you mean per capita decline? Uh,
0: you know, in terms of not decline, sorry, in terms of the ranking that you'll have, right? Uh, Considered the you know second largest industrial state, doing well and all this, but you see from twenty. 11 onwards, your, the number, your ranking in the national level is beginning to drop. And I think it, uh, the, the highest it reached was, uh, the best performance was four, and then it started rising again to six, seven in the current thing. Now, what is the reason for this decadal decline? And how would you, because at the end of the day, all your plans means money, unless your per capita
1: income is increasing, you know. I'm not even sure 11 is the right mark, I would say 14 is the mark. I've done a lot of study on this, but let's assume that your data is right. I would say from 14, it's very clear, right? Again, what the textbook says, if you don't have good administration, you don't manage your finances well, long term, you'll find a decline. What has happened? So that I'm confident we'll fix. There's There's a different issue here, which is how do you measure or how do you rate some of these things, right? For example... Uh, Right now, Tamil Nadu has about 10 or 15,000 rupees per capita lower income than Gujarat. Gujarat has been a phenomenal success story economically in the last 7, 8 years, maybe 10 years. But almost no girl under 15 is not in school in in Tamil Nadu. 15, 20% of them are not in school in Gujarat. What kind of growth do I want? There are four doctors for every 1,000 people in Tamil Nadu. There is only one doctor for every 1,000 people in Gujarat. What kind of society do I want? Not, you know, the GDP numbers are not everything. We we have a way of life that we want to protect and preserve. Mm. We also want growth, we also want jobs, but we want it our way. That's what the CM calls the Dravidian model. We will implement the Dravidian model, and whatever the shortcomings over the last 10 years, in five years, we'll be back on top again, I'm 100% sure.
0: And finally, uh, uh, you know, looking at human resources, okay, and... We were talking in, in the morning about the industry se- section. Now, point is, you could have industrial growth, but if you don't have the manpower to meet it, the skilled manpower, really, what do you need to do to change that system? I mean, you know, since you are looking after human resources, what is it that you need to do? Yeah.
1: First, I should make the distinction. I am only the human resources of the government, not of the state. Okay. There is a labour department and a welfare department, right. but. Uh, this is a profound problem, right? Uh, as proud as we are that we have a 50, almost 52% gross enrollment ratio in higher education, right. which is double the national average, better than the U.S. and all that, it's clear that they're not all getting quality education. Mm-hmm. They're getting a degree, doesn't mean they can actually do anything. So there's a big gap in skilling and there's a big gap in a lot of other things. Uh, we are guys who put our programs and our money where our mouth is. So, both in terms of remedial education, coming out of mm-hmm. two years of COVID, where we have, I would say, by far the most well-thought-out, piloted, researched program called Illam tedi Kalvi to bring back the social component of learning by having after-school in every village, in every block. To the program announced by the Chief Minister on his birthday a couple of days ago, called Nan Mudalvan, says I want to be the best at what I do that may be many different things. You may be a journalist, he may be a waiter, he may be a chef, he may be a graphic artist, I may be an analyst. But we've got to inculcate that, that professionalism and that desire to do whatever you do with pride in your work, irrespective of the work, and to fit the skills of these people to the uh, industry and the needs of society. So we had a wide range of people. We had the UK Deputy High Commissioner, my friend Oliver, we had uh, Nadarajan, the cricketer. We wanted to show that there's all these different walks in life, and that you, whatever you choose to do, you excel and you drive yourself. And mm-hmm. we are going to set up guidance counselors in every school. I'm going to personally go and lecture for their training. We're going to set up, you know, kind of um, regular sessions with different industry spokespeople and and uh, different careers to come and say, what is it this evening? I'm rushing. I'm going to go release a book in Tamil on audit. What is audit? What is the profession? What skills do you need to have? What is the upside you can get on it? So that people understand that there are careers like that. Right? There used to be a time when everybody said, "I want to be a doctor or engineer." That's it. Now we need to educate. See, we've had some tremendous shift in society. When I went to engineering college in in 1983, the state of Tamil Nadu could only provide about 3,000 seats engineering a year. When i came back as an mla in 2016 the number was two and a half lakh of which one and a half lakh were being filled so the two immediate questions i asked who's teaching all these people Hmm. most of us emigrated and went off to the us let's say all of us stayed here there's only three thousand you know you got like eighty time increase second who is giving them guidance or career counselling or, you know, why should you be an engineer? How many jobs are there? Is this really a, a, you know, career path that gets you employed? And I could talk about this for a long time because when I was in opposition, when Ms. Jalta was still alive, I raised it in my maiden speech. I said, we have this surge of people going to school, nobody to tell them what to study, what to uh, take a profession, and so you must bring out career guidance not just for the students, but the parents of these students, because most of these students are first-generation first students. You and I can, you know, my, my right. grandfather went to Oxford, my father was, edu- I can go and ask him and he'll tell me what the world is about. If you're a first-generation student, who do you go to to get advice? Who, who tells you this is what the world looks like, this is how it fits? So the government needs to step up that kind of work. I, and to be fair to her, she did it the one year before she passed. For the first time, the government had time not brought out a book what after 10th, what after 12th, and all that, then it stopped. Now we're going to ramp that up again. So there's a huge issue that we need to get the kind of skilling to match the demands, not just of the state. Let's be very clear. The chief minister has said one of his goals, when we have the global economic advisors, you know, we have these five international advisors. He said, one of my goals is that Tamil Nadu should be seen as the premier source of human resources for the world. Like Mm. we want to export people, you know, just like we have historically, great uh, examples around the world. We want to send the best qualified talent around the world.
0: Okay. And finally, since it's Tamil Nadu first, that's the title. And since we are looking at competing with the federal structure that's there, would you rewrite center-state relations? And if you had to
1: do that, what would you do? What would be your… See, we started in the wrong place. We started because there had never been a country like India and the Mm -hmm. culture was two, three thousand years old. The Constituent Assembly naturally focused on how to keep it all together. So they put a lot of authority in the union and much less at the states. Though, ironically, they divided the states based on language. So they knew inherently going in that you have these divergent states. Then, during the emergency and the 42nd Amendment, a whole bunch of additional things got moved out of state list into co- concurrent list. Basic things like health education all that now we just have to benchmark ourselves with the world if you go to china the mayor of shanghai will decide not just planning have his own police force have his own industrial permits you know the bank license for shanghai province is not the same as beijing i can't stand a bank where i work cannot have one license to operate in every province every province has to give a separate license that's how devolved the powers are i live for 20 years in the u.s my town, my village had its own school board so that those parents decided what their children learned. It had its own police force. It had its own alcohol law. My county had its own sales tax. My state had its own sales tax. There is no national sales tax in the US.
0: So So the devolution
1: of power in most societies, certainly large societies, all the way from capitalist, uber-capitalist America to self-professed communist China is much closer to the people. Here, the police itself is state, then by the time I I, I get… I'm
0: I'm asking you three practical or four practical things that you would like to
1: rewrite. 100% education should come down to the state. Right. Right? 100% health should come down to the state. Direct taxation should be given rights to the states. The city of Los Angeles can income… can levy income taxes. There's a fundamental difference right between progressive taxes like income taxes which you can make richer people pay a greater rate not just a greater amount and regressive taxes like petrol taxes or GST where by definition poorer and middle class people pay a greater proportion of their income in that tax because most of their income is spent on consumables they don't save and buy apartments and you know fancy things. So. 100% of direct taxation is with the union. That's the only progressive tax. They've kept on cutting that, cutting that, cutting that, and the rich are getting richer, and the corporates are paying less and less. And then direct, indirect taxation, we say, oh, but GST, you know, the neutral rate is 15. half is the wrong rate. The ratio of direct tax to indirect tax is skewed by more than 10% against direct tax and towards the inherently unfair, regressive indirect tax in the last seven years. That needs to be fixed. Give us the power. We'll decide, we'll say, if you want to live in Chennai, you have to pay a tax. We don't have that right now. We won't charge the poor people, we'll only charge the rich people, but we don't have the power right now. Right.
0: Well, you know, Dr. Pallini uh, Thiagarajan, we could, there are a lot of issues that we need to take up and we've got limited time, we've actually exceeded our time and we've got our next session, we could have continued this. But thank you, thank you very much for this very erudite discussion. Let's give him a very warm round of applause for this. Thank you so much.